weather back with us today. We've missed you. We've prayed for you and pray for those that are out today. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number four. We're going to start right there in verse number one <clears throat> and begin reading down to a very familiar passage. But oh, what a great truth. I told my wife on the way to church this morning, I never preached what I'm going to preach this morning. And uh, what a beautiful picture we're going to see here about an unusual encounter with Christ. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of, the mouth, out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on the a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Verse 7. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only thou shalt, serve, shalt thou serve. And the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came, and ministered unto him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what we just read, and thank you for the victory. Lord, right here at the beginning of Christ's ministry, we see him winning victory for us, that, Father, we could have victory over the same temptations and the same sin. Father, I pray you'd help us today. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that anything that might hinder us from hearing and responding, uh, Lord, that we would be willing this morning, Lord, to set it aside. Help us not to quench the spirit today. But all oh, that your spirit would move amongst us, that the lost would be convicted about their condition and the saved would be challenged, Lord, to walk closer to you. Bless, I pray, this message. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I was thinking about our theme this morning and how it's not one that is necessarily hard to understand. And as a matter of fact, it's not one that really we probably, any of us would argue with. Uh, whether you're lost and need to be saved or you're saved and need to be closer to Christ, I think we would all agree this morning that the theme of an encounter with Christ is something that's applicable to all of us, correct? It uh, doesn't matter if you're lost. Look, you need an encounter with Christ most of all. But I believe what the saved need this morning more than anything is another encounter with Christ, not salvation over again. You only get saved once, but a closer encounter with Christ. Why? Because we're humans. Our very humanity demands an encounter with Christ and a closer encounter with Christ. Uh, we degenerate. Have you noticed that uh, as we grow older? I mean, we begin dying the day that we are born. Uh, we begin to wear out. I mean, it's kind of like I got in the mail the other day, the car place where we bought our car. It's a little placard and it said, uh, have your tires rotated and balanced. We have to do that every once in a while. Why? Things degenerate. Uh, and they have to be upgraded, and they have to be renewed from time to time. As a matter of fact, probably some of you in here, uh, a few of you that I know of, you've had hip replacements and knee replacements. Why? Well, we need renewing every once in a while, amen? 
uh, after going to the gym a few times this week, I'm beginning to wonder if you can have leg replacements. Just, uh, just get all brand new ones. Why? Because they hurt. Uh, we don't get better. Things go worse. And degeneration demands regeneration, right? Psalms 51 is a psalm about renewal and regeneration. David says, creating me a clean heart. Uh, here's a man who is desiring for that renewal in his life. He says, renew a right spirit with me. But I want you to go to the next verse, two verses after that. Chapter 51, verse 12, it says this. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Now, look, I believe David was a saved man. Amen? I believe David belonged to God. But hear me out. He's asking God to restore the joy of thy salvation. You know what he was asking for? A fresh encounter. That's what he was wanting with God. He says, take me back to that encounter and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now, folks, listen, whether this morning you're exactly where you need to be or if, like all of us, you find yourself at times needing that renewal, needing that fresh encounter with Christ, admitting it is great. All right, we can all amen that. Boy, I need a fresh encounter with Christ. I need a renewed spirit. I want to return to the joy of my salvation, that place where I was when I got saved, and I didn't care who knew about it. I was excited about it. I talked about it. Why? Because, oh, it was good. Oh, it was good. That joy of our salvation, admitting it's great. But can I tell you, at some point, we've got to accept the cost of that renewal. At some point, we've got to realize that an encounter with Christ is not something that you can have at your convenience. That, you know, it's kind of like some socks I have at the house. <clears throat> I have hundreds of pairs of socks, and I'm thankful for all the socks I've been given through the years. And I try to wear them on a rotation. I really do. I have to dig to the bottom of the basket and get some I haven't worn in a while. But I have some in there, and they say on them, Today, I need a little coffee and a lot of Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. A lot of us can agree with that one, right? I need a little coffee and a lot of Jesus. I mean, look, we go and we get our coffee in the morning and we head out the door. We get that caffeine pumping through our veins and it gets us going. Wouldn't it be nice if encountering Christ was that easy? <clears throat> I just need a little coffee, a little Jesus. I'm just going to be like a convenience store. I have found the Chevron station down here has quite good coffee. Uh, since COVID, I don't taste very well, and I can actually taste their coffee. It's quite good. I'll go through there. It grinds the beans. I'll get a cup of coffee, and I'm out the door. Very convenient for me. But I want you to understand something today. Encountering Christ is not convenient. I wish it was easy. I wish it was something that we could do just like grabbing a cup of coffee. But I'm afraid that culture of convenience has entered into even the church today. To where we only want things that are easy and convenient to us. I've been reading this week several articles on what is known in America as the culture of convenience. And here's how it's defined. Convenience culture can be defined as the pursuit of making daily life easier by outsourcing labor and choosing quick and easy solutions. Now folks, I like things that are convenient I like things that make life easier. I like when we don't have to work harder for things. But I hate to tell you, you're not going to encounter Christ as a matter of convenience. If you're waiting for an encounter with Christ to be convenient, it's not going to happen. It's not something that you can outsource the labor of. It's not something you can say, I'm just going to wait on God to give it to me. No, there's work involved in encountering Christ. 
It's not something this morning that you can wait for it to come easy and to come a lot more convenient to our lifestyle. It's not going to happen that way. And I believe today that we're, we're living in an age where the church has become adoptive of this culture of convenience to where we're waiting on God to do something, where God is waiting on us to do something. We were, waiting, we're living in a time where we want it to be quick, easy, and it doesn't want us to cost anything. We want the sermons to be quick, amen? We want the listening to be easy, and we don't want it to cost us anything come invitation time. And that's why we don't have an encounter with Christ. Can I tell you something this morning? I'm going to try to prove it in the message here, maybe a short sermon, I don't know, we'll see. I believe an encounter with Christ is probably, truly, one of the most inconvenient things you will ever experience. I don't believe Christ is convenient. I don't believe having an encounter with Christ is going to come easy. I don't believe having an encounter with Christ is something that's going to happen quickly or cheaply. I believe we're going to have to work at it. I was thinking this morning, I, I'm afraid we have cheapened and diluted Christ so much in the church today in order to attract people to him that we have negated all that an encounter with Christ can do. That, you know, you can have Jesus your way, when you want it, the way you want it, and if that's the way you interpret Christ, and if that's the way you want Christ, and if that's the way you want to worship Christ, and hey, you can have that. And we have created a convenient Christ, which I hate to tell you is not the Christ at all. Christ is not convenient. Matter of fact, you look at what Christ came to do in the will of his Father for you and I, it was not convenient. It cost him everything. And our faith is not going to be convenient either. This morning, you look up the word convenient. It comes from a Latin word, convenience. Convenience. You know what that word means? To be made suitable and to be made to fit. I hate to tell you that an encounter with Christ is not making Christ suitable to you or to me. An encounter with Christ is not where Christ is coming to fit you and to fit me. No, an encounter with Christ is where we come to be suitable to him and we come to fit him. That's where the change, number two on the wall over here, that's where it comes in. An encounter with Christ is going to bring change to us. And this morning I want to preach on something that doesn't sound very attractive, but I believe it's very needful. And that's the inconvenience of Christ. The inconvenience of Christ. Now I want you to look at this passage here. We're reading about a very interesting encounter, and it's the encounter that Satan had with Christ. Now he wasn't encountering a deluded Christ, a watered-down Christ. He was encountering the Christ, the true Christ. And what I want you to notice is what the Bible says about Jesus. All right? If we're going to have an encounter with Christ, you need to know what you're encountering. Because I hate to tell you, the Jesus that most modern religion paints today is not the Jesus of the Bible. Hear me out. Listen to me. He is not a Burger King type of Christ where you have it your way. It doesn't work that way. Christ is who Christ is. He is who he always was. And if you're going to encounter him, you're going to encounter the true Christ or nothing. You're not going to conform him. I'm not going to conform him to fit who I am and what I want. And this morning, that's why Christ can be an inconvenience to your lifestyle and who you are. So this morning, I want to look at this encounter Satan had, and I want you to notice something about Christ that we seek to encounter this morning in verse 1. 
The Bible says, then was Jesus, now watch the next few words, led up of the Spirit. Now the reason this morning I believe encountering Christ is an inconvenience to us. Number one, you notice right there in verse number one, Christ is led of the Spirit. Now stick with me this morning. I want you to imagine the encounters you have with different people. Uh, I don't go on social media often anymore, but I went on this week, and I noticed that the battle is still raging between the Krispy Kremers and the Shipley's people. All right? I saw it on there, and I tried to comment in there to calm it down, you know? It's just, it's the, it's the war of the century, all right? I mean, it's not Ford or Chevy anymore. It's Krispy Kreme or Shipley's. You think about people that you know that like Krispy Kreme. Brother Bado, he loves Krispy Kreme back there on the right. Amen. Look, got your purple and gold on this morning. Amen. Appreciate the support there. Brother Bado likes Krispy Kreme. You know, if I'm going to encounter Brother Bado, the odds are if I go in Shipley's, I probably am not going to encounter him there because that is not a place that he frequents, right? He frequents Krispy Kreme. Now, I believe with Sam up there, if I'm not mistaken, he's a Shipley's man. He's been in on the war, firing a few shots over the bow there. He's a Shipley's man. He's faithful Shipley's man. You know, if I wanted to encounter Brother Sam, <clears throat> I would probably go hang out around Shipley's. Why? Because those are places that he frequents. Stick with me this morning, if you would. I think about some Mississippi State folks. I saw Brother Dylan in here this morning somewhere, right there. He's even got a Mississippi State shirt on this morning. Thank you for helping me out there. The odds are I'm not going to find Brother Dylan up there in the grove. Every time somebody from Old Miss talks about going and tailgating, they say, we're at the Grove. For some reason, you've got to say the O like that for it to really matter. I'm at the Grove. I don't know what they do in the Grove. In the Bible, they tore them down. I'm just saying, okay? So I don't know what they're doing up there, but I'm probably not going to find Brother Dylan up there in the Grove. Why? He's a Mississippi State man. I'm not going to find him there. Now, folks, here's what I'm getting at this morning. If you're going to encounter Christ, perhaps it would do us well to frequent the places that he frequents. And to walk the paths that he walks. Now, what is that this morning? Well, pay close attention. The Bible says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. Now, hear me out. If Christ was led of the Spirit, does it not stand in reason this morning that if you and I want to encounter him, that we also must be led of the Spirit? Can I tell you this morning, the Bible says that we walk in the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They are contrary one to the other. The Bible says here in verse number one that Christ is walking in the Spirit. He's being led of the Spirit. Christ is not walking in his flesh. And if I want to encounter Christ, watch this, who is led of the Spirit, doesn't it stand to reason that I too must be willing to walk in the Spirit? Could it be this morning the reason we will not have an encounter with Christ is because we enjoy walking in the flesh and we will not inconvenience our flesh to walk in the Spirit? We're over here, we're walking in the flesh, living in the flesh, thinking in the flesh, and we're thinking, why can I not encounter Christ? Because you're not frequenting the places that he frequents. He is led of the Spirit. Satan even encountered Christ walking in the Spirit. Now hear me out today. This is important. We wonder why we don't have that encounter. Why can't I have an encounter with Christ? Why can't I be close to Christ? Why can't I draw near to Christ? Well, the Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. 
The problem is drawing nigh unto God, walking in the Spirit as Christ did, is inconvenient. It is. Listen, you are going to have to inconvenience your flesh to walk in the Spirit. Look, my flesh lusteth against my spirit. There are things that my flesh wants to do that I can't do while I'm in the Spirit. That's why Galatians 5 says, you can't do the things you want to. When you're in the Spirit, hey, you can't do those things. Well, but I'm going to go over here. You're going to have to inconvenience one or the other. That's why Christ is an inconvenience. That's why we don't have an encounter with Christ, because we have to inconvenience our flesh in order to do that. Now, I want to take you back to your first encounter with Christ real quickly. Remember when you got saved. Remember when you got saved, that first encounter where you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, how wonderful that was. Can I ask you, how did you come about that encounter? How? I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to read it from the Bible, okay? John 6, the Bible says, No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. All right, stick with me. So we're over here in our sin, and all of a sudden we realize there's Christ there, and something draws us to Christ. May I ask you this morning, what is it that draws us to Christ? It's the Spirit. Your first encounter with Christ when you got saved, I'll never forget. I was raised in a Christian home. My grandparents were missionaries. I listened, I've been in church my whole life. I'd heard all the stories. I knew what it was all about. I'll never forget that first night. It was in October 1989. Something began to tug. Your kids ever do that to you? Tug? Uh, when Miley was little, I, you know, thank the Lord for my kid. But man, they used to drive me batty. Tugging on me, you know. I used to hate that. Do you remember when you were lost? You remember that first time you felt the tug? You remember that? Do you know who that was? That was the very Holy Spirit of God. What was he tugging at you for? Well, John 6, 44, no man can come to, the Father, to me except the Father would sent me, draw him. Your first encounter with Christ was led of the Spirit. Can I tell you? I believe the reason, even after we get saved, the reason we don't have greater encounters with Christ is because we're not led of the Spirit. Just a few minutes, that piano will begin playing. Don't get your hopes up that it's really a few, but that piano will begin playing. The altar will be open. And undoubtedly, regardless of who the preacher is or how bad the preaching is, I promise you the Holy Spirit is going to begin tugging. And he's tugging you not to an altar, but to a closer encounter with Christ. And yet, we'll resist the Holy Spirit. We can do that. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit, which means the Spirit is quenchable. 1 Thessalonians 5. And we're going to walk out. We're going to get in our car. We're going to get home. We're going to sit on our recliner. And we're going to wonder why we didn't have an encounter with Christ. It's because an encounter with Christ is Spirit-led. You've got to heed the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God. A.W. Tozer said this. I read this years ago, and I found the quote this morning. If God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what we're doing in our churches would go right on. Nobody would know the difference. We have gotten to a place in the church where we don't even recognize the Holy Spirit's leadership anymore. We go through our mechanics, we go through the motions, and the Holy Spirit's drawing is something we have become numb to. I usually buckle up when I get in the car because 
I know how I drive, and I know how you drive. And so I try to buckle up just in case one of us meets the other on the road. Amen? Every once in a while, I'll be busy. I'll pick Miley up. I'm taking her home real quick, and I only live a few miles from here. And that little ding will be dinging. Ding, 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 ding. The buckle your seatbelt ding. And I'm like, I'm just, it's just a little, little ways to go. Yes, I know the statistic. Most people get in a wreck within two to three miles of their home. I know it, okay? I hear it all the time, all right? Ding, 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 ding. But I've learned to ignore it. Thank the Lord for Holy Spirit number three. That's my daughter. <laughs> she says, Dad, uh, uh, you forgot to buckle up. Oh, I'm so sorry. Boy, I'll buckle up. I want to set a good example to my kid. Isn't it amazing how we can learn to tune those things out? Ding, 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 ding. Folks, can I tell you, if you're not careful, you'll do that with the Holy Spirit of God. And you'll sit back and wonder, why don't I have an encounter with Christ? Well, it's because Christ is led of the Spirit. And if you are going to encounter him, you've got to walk the same road that he's walking. Where is he walking? He's walking in the Spirit. I couldn't help but think about worship this morning, and I'll run through this real quickly. I'm afraid that so much of what we call worship in our churches today is nothing more than an emotional event. All right, I like emotional events. I don't like crying in public, but, you know, I like an emotional event. Uh, we were joking the other night with some folks about uh, right after COVID, we were very emotional, my wife and I. It was almost funny. I mean, we just couldn't help. We're watching a commercial, uh, and it's an, a commercial on the Olympics, and, man, we just started crying. Why? I don't know. That stuff messed with us, okay? Uh, I remember we were watching the Olympics. COVID was out during the Olympics, and the Philippines won their first gold medal for weightlifting. I forget what the lady's name was. It was the first ever gold medal for the Philippines. And that lady, she cleaned and snatched. And everybody was cheering, all right? Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, young ladies. I'm not saying that's the greatest field to go into, okay? She puts it up there, and everybody's cheering. The Philippines' first, first gold medal. And me and Leslie on the crowd, I don't know what was going on. That stuff messed with my mind, okay? Worse than it already was. I'm afraid, if you're not careful, a lot of what we call worship is nothing more than an emotional experience. Why? Remember, encounters with Christ are going to produce change. It's amazing how many experiences we have in our church. They're emotional. and Hey, there's nothing wrong with having tears, but hear me out. At some point, an encounter with Christ is going to produce change. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Change results from an encounter with Christ. But wait a minute. What does the Bible say in John 4? God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm afraid, based on the lack of change in America and the church in America, we have experienced feelings, but we've yet to experience the Father. Why? Because an encounter with Christ is going to bring about change. So number one this morning, the inconvenience of Christ. What's inconvenient about him? Well, Christ is led of the Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says in Jude 1.17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles, our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. I think we're there who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, listen close, sensual, having not the Spirit. Notice the contrast. Sensual, having not the Spirit. There is the flesh and there is the Spirit. 
I believe we're describing a church very much that we're living in right now. In this age that we're living in, people are very sensual. So what do you mean by sensual? When we think sensual, we automatically think sexual. No, no, sensual just means you're really in touch with your feels, your senses. I forget who I was talking to the other day. I talked to a lot of people. I told somebody the other day, I'm doing a study on myself, and you ought to do a study on yourself too. Write down every time in the course of your day you use the words, I feel. You'd be amazed. It's rare to hear a Christian say, the Bible says, I'm led to do this. Here's what we hear. Well, I feel. I feel. We're sensual. We make decisions that will alter our life, the lives of our children, all based on feelings. I know that because I have them too. Man, these things are powerful. Do you know where our feels come from, our sensual feels come from? Our heart. Do the Bible says about our heart, it's desperately wicked and deceitful. That means our feels, our sensualness, our in being in touch with our feelings. Listen, now don't get me wrong, men. I tell our men all the time, you need to get in touch with your feelings. We got too many redneck men around here who are like, well, that's just, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say any poetry. No, come on, man. Learn some poems for your wife, all right? Write one for her. Plagiarize if you have to. As long as you're not running for president, go for that, all right? Nothing wrong with being compassionate, but I'm talking about when we let our feelings dictate what we do. If you're not careful, your feelings will keep you from an encounter with Christ. What did the Bible say? Sensual, having not the Spirit. I find it beautiful when you're able to read the Word of God. And I was reading this week in Galatians 5 about the fruits of the Spirit. And what's neat about the fruits of the Spirit, when you read those, those are all character traits of Christ. Go look up the fruits of the Spirit, okay? You want me to read them for you? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness, and temperance. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. If we're supposed to be more like Christ, how do we get those character traits in our life? Watch this. Galatians 5 calls them the fruit of the Spirit. You see, an encounter with Christ to be more like Christ requires us to follow where he walks. The Bible says he was led of the Spirit. Here's the problem. You're going to have to inconvenience your flesh. Let's look at the second thing real quickly. Something else we've got to be prepared for. If you keep reading, here comes Satan, and he's trying to tempt Christ. Verse 3, and the tempter came to him. He said, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Could I interject something right there real quickly? Satan watched him. He knew he'd been fasting 40 days. And he tried to hit him where it would hurt. He tried to hit him where it was hurt. Be careful when you're weak. Be careful. Verse 4. But he answered and said, watch this. Oh, this is profound. It is written. It is written. Now, why is that so important? Well, when Christ was tempted... He not only, Satan not only found that he was led by the Spirit. Number two, watch this. He found that Christ relies upon his word. Number two, Christ relies upon his word. Now, you've got to see how this works together, okay? Stick with me. I want you to notice the reality of what's taking place here. Satan is trying to get Jesus to go along to his plans, Correct? Satan says, hey, look, I want you to go along with my idea. Here's my idea. My idea is, if you're really God, turn these stones into bread. 
So as Satan tries to get Jesus to come along with his idea, notice how Jesus responds. It is written. Now why is this important? Well, you and I would say this. Satan was wasting his time, wasn't he? I mean, come on. Satan, if you tempt me, you might get me. But you're tempting Jesus. You're wasting your time. You're trying to get Jesus, the sinless Son of God, to do what you want him to do. Satan, this is embarrassing. You're not going to get him to go anywhere with you. But could I ask you this this morning? If Christ would not sidestep his word in this encounter for Satan, what do you think he's going to do it for you or I? You see, here's what you've got to understand. The reason... An encounter with Christ is an inconvenient thing is because Christ is not going to set aside his word for you and I. All right? So here's how this works. Christ has a will for our life. He has a way for our life. He has a pattern that we are to follow. And we're like, well, that's inconveniencing to me. That's why it's inconvenience of Christ. Living by this book out there in that world, it's very inconvenient. But I promise you, just as in the case of Satan, Christ is not going to sidestep his word for you either or for me either. Notice what he says here. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It was a non-starter. It was a non-starter. He says, Satan, listen, as it is written. I mean, here's Jesus, the sinless son of God who knows what he could have done to Satan, and yet he responded with the word of God. No, this is what it says. I'm not sidestepping the word for you. And here's our problem, my problem. We want an encounter with Christ, but we want to go around the word to have it. It ain't going to happen. He's never going to sidestep his word. Why? Well, John 1.14, we know this well. You go up to John 1, 1. The Bible says the word was with God and the word was God. Then go all the way down to verse 14. The Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the very word. He couldn't sidestep the word because he'd be sidestepping himself. It's kind of like uh, the other day, I forget where I was. Somebody ordered a BLT. You know what a BLT is? I'm going to make you hungry. It's 11.58, okay? Getting close to lunch. Somebody ordered a BLT. Everybody knows what that is? Bacon, lettuce, tomato. All right, you awake, Sam? You with me? All right. We're talking about bacon. You woke up. And here's what they said. I want a BLT with no lettuce and no tomato. Now, look, I can be a smart aleck. I kept my mouth shut. I'm like, you just want to be? That's what I wanted to say. I didn't, but that's what I wanted to say. You just wanted to be, you know. Look, it's not a BLT if you hold the LT, all right? A BLT is a bacon, lettuce, and tomato, all right? If you just have a, you just want to, and the guy said, you just want a bacon sandwich. You just want a bacon sandwich, all right? It sounded great to say, I want a BLT. No, no, he just wanted a bacon sandwich. And boy, there's nothing like a good old-fashioned bacon sandwich, salt and pepper on it. Mm, my goodness gracious. You see, it's not a BLT, when you start taking things away from it. Now watch this. There is no encounter with Christ outside of his word. Why? Christ is the word. You can't sidestep the word of God and say, you know what, I just want an encounter with Christ, but I want to have it my way. doesn't work that way. Why? Because he is the word. As a matter of fact, you notice three times, verse 4, verse 7, verse number 10. Here's Christ quoting scripture. Now watch. What do we want? We want an encounter with Christ. 
We have to do it by, number one, being led by the Spirit, but number two, realizing it's only going to happen through the Word. You're not going to have a real encounter with Christ outside the Word of God. Matter of fact, we were talking about the group that went soul winning yesterday. I think the largest group we've had yet this year went out soul winning yesterday. Great day. Thank you all for coming. Looking forward to a great week next week. And as we, everybody began to come back in one by one telling stories about folks they talked to, it was amazing how many said that they asked people if they were saved and they said yes, but then begin to add things to it. Yeah, I got saved and... Yes, uh, I'm a Christian because I did this, this, this. No, no, no. There is no salvation outside what the Word of God says. All right? You can add what you want, but it doesn't count. Right? There is no moral victory in salvation. Either you go through the Word, who is the way, or you didn't get it at all. That's why, watch this. If we're going to have an encounter with Christ, number one, we've got to be led of the Spirit from the flesh to the Spirit, just as Christ did, but number two, We've got to realize we're not going to do it outside of his word. Total waste of time. I think about the children of Israel. They wandered, they struggled, and they missed out on the encounter that God had for them in the promised land. Why? 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 Let me tell you why. Okay, I'll give you scripture. Psalms 106, 24, the Bible says, Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word. They wouldn't inconvenience their flesh to obey his word, to encounter what he wanted, and the Bible says they despised the pleasant land. That almost sounds crazy, doesn't it? Like somebody inviting you out to go for a T-bone steak. No, I think I'd rather stay home and have a BLT without the LT. Now look, I like a good bacon sandwich, but my goodness, I'm not going to trade a bacon sandwich for a steak. I'd rather have the steak, right? I'm not going to despise. No, I'm just going to stay home and have. I bought some uh, bologna at the Dollar Tree the other day. It's quite good. I'm going to stay home and have a, a bologna sandwich. You go on to Outback and have that 24 ounce porterhouse. You're thinking, well, what kind of a lunatic are you? Look, that's who we are. When we deny the Word of God, what did the Bible say? They despise the pleasant land because they believed not His Word. Can I tell you? An encounter with Christ is one of the most inconvenient decisions you will ever make because you're going to have to inconvenience your flesh to walk in the Spirit. But then you're going to have to choose what? To abide within the confines of God's Word. That's really inconvenient. This is 2024. We're living in a mixed-up world. I mean, look, it's not just the lost world. Church is mixed up. People mixed up. Everything seems to be mixed up. You try to raise these kids. By the way, don't forget youth night tonight. Our kids are singing. Our kids are going to be playing the piano. Our guys are going to be preaching. They even have slides already. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. They're ready to preach. Look, if you don't hate teenagers, come tonight, all right? If you don't hate teenagers, come tonight. Come support. And after they're having a dessert auction, be here for that. They're going to auction off all kinds of sweets. I even contributed something to the, to the bundle. You're like, well, I don't want that. These kids, trying to raise them by this book, inconvenient in that world trying to point them in the right direction trying to keep them in the right direction inconvenient but you're going to have to decide what I'm going to rely upon God's word Jesus says watch it is written verse number seven it is written over and over and over again Jesus goes right back to the word of God why that's the only way this morning to have a true encounter with Christ you're not going to do an end around to the word of God Daniel Webster said this. I'll give you the last point. 
If there be anything in my style or thoughts to be commended, the credit is due to my kind parents for instilling into my mind an early love for the Scripture. What made a difference? It was teaching them to rely upon God's Word. Mom and Dad, don't step outside of this book as it raise our children. Grandma and Grandpa, don't step outside of this book. It is written. Hey, when your kids ask you why, hey, just answer the way Jesus did. It is written. Hey, that's going to be my new cop-out when Miley asks me why. Dad, why can't I go here? Why can't I do that? Why can't I watch that? It is written. I'm just going to put it on God. God said, evil communications corrupt good manners. It is written, train up a child in the way he should go. It is written. Oh, I'll tell you, the world's going to pressure you to step outside this book. But, oh, that's when trouble begins to happen. Number two, the inconvenience of Christ. Why is Christ inconvenient? Because he relies upon his word. Finally, I want you to see this before we close. Verse 4, he answered, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Verse number 7, it is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, I want you to focus in on that word in verse number 7, the word again. So here's Satan. He's trying to wear Jesus down. He comes once, he comes twice, he comes three times. By the way, weariness is a real tactic of Satan. That's why Galatians 6, 9 says what it says. But watch this. Verse 7, Jesus didn't say, well, it didn't work the first go-round. I need to go to plan B. No. Verse 7, it is written again. Again. He's not deviating. He's not giving up. He's operating in the confines of that book and what God said. Number three this morning, why is Christ an inconvenience? Well, Christ is unchanging in his truth. He's unchanging. There was no plan B. It was always plan A. It is written. He says, all right, I'm going to take the same thing again. It is written again. Verse number seven. He was unchanging in his truth. Can I tell you? Something wicked about myself, there have been so many times in my life I have craved an encounter with Christ. And I think only a prideful person would say this morning, I don't want an encounter with Christ. I'm good where I'm at. We all need an encounter with Christ. New every day. Renewing of our mind to be more like Christ. And there have been times I have hungered and craved for an encounter with Christ, to be closer with Him, to have that joy of thy salvation restored again. And then God says, well, just do what I told you. I'm like, you already told me that once. He said, yeah, I haven't changed my mind. Can I say this? There have been times I was like, I'm just going to wait God out. Yeah, I'm as dumb as Satan was. <laughs> you know what? Let me show you a freebie real quick. It's amazing that uh, when you look down into uh, verse number six, Satan quoted scripture. He knew just enough to be dangerous. He didn't know the truth of it. I believe a lot of us this morning are trying to wait God out. I'm just going to wait God out. You know, I know what you said. I know what you said when you spoke to my heart through your Holy Spirit. I know what you said in your word, but I'm just waiting on you to change your mind. Can I tell you? He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, and I promise you, you will reach your end long before he reaches his. That's why Christ is an inconvenience. He can wait you out. He can wait you out. 
So when we know the will of God and we know, watch this, we know verse 4, it is written. The best thing to do is, hey, go with it because he's not changing his mind because the next time we meet him, he's going to say, it is written again. I'm just going to remind you what I've already said. It's amazing how, and look, there's nothing wrong with having a good program and tactics and a, a plan for reaching the lost, but I'm just to be totally honest with you. We don't have to reinvent what thus saith the Lord. What God said worked when he wrote it still works today. The problem is not that it quit working. The problem is we just quit obeying it. That's the truth. All right? We're like, Lord, how do you build a church? Lord, how do you reach the lost? Lord, how do we build a home? He says, it is written, it is written again. It's the same thing that I told you before. And no matter how many times Satan came at him, he says, it is written. The Bible says with God, there is no variableness. In my car, I have climate control. My wife has her knob, I have my knob. I like to get mine where I have a, a, a heat, a heated seat. Man, that is so nice. Miley wonders why there's one not in the back seat because you've got to earn that as an adult. Okay, wherever you are, you've got to earn that, all right? Get in that car, Leslie turns hers where she wants it. I turn mine where she usually wants it a little bit cooler than I do. It's variable. You can change it to what you want it to be. But the interesting thing is God doesn't have one of those knobs. God is not variable. God is going to come back to you and say, what did I say the first time? It is written again. All of us know about the tomb of the unknown soldier. Every day, every hour, there is that soldier marching, patrolling in front, keeping the guard that is there. I, I've never uh, talked to the folks that are there. I've only read this, but when it comes time, at the end of that hour's shift for someone else to take over for that soldier, he walks up, and that soldier looks him in the eye and says this, orders remain unchanged. So as that soldier comes up, and it's his turn to walk and to stand guard in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier, when it's time to pass off the reins to him, the one who had been doing the service says, orders remain unchanged. Just keep doing what we've been doing. Could it be this morning that the reason you don't have an encounter with Christ is you're waiting for the orders to change. I know what God said. I just don't like it. I read in there what he said about all that. I'm just going to wait God out. I hate to tell you this. You're going to be waiting a while. Oh, I don't know how many times when the Lord was dealing with my heart about surrendering to preach, I kept making these deals with God. Lord, if you'll do this, then maybe. And God, if you'll show me this sign. And God, if you'll do this. I knew what God said. Well, maybe he's going to change his mind if I just keep dilly-dallying dilly around. He didn't. It is written. It is written again. Can I ask you this morning, what do you know that God has said? It's why I know what he said in his Bible. I'm talking about specifically for you. What is it? What is it that you know he's already told you in verse 4? And he's having to tell you again in verse number 7. I believe this morning that is what's keeping you from an encounter with Christ. When we refuse to do what we know God has already said. Many years ago, uh, Leslie was cooking something. That I was reminding you of this this morning. And Miley was measuring out the teaspoon of vanilla. And she's a little old squirt. And she says, can I lick the spoon? Because vanilla smells really good, doesn't it? 
And she, we were talking about this just, just this morning. She says, you know, Mom, can I lick the spoon? And Mom says, no, you don't want to do that. She says, oh, but it smells good. Can I, can I lick it? And Mom says, no. Well, Dad steps in. Dad's like, no, life lesson here. It's like the touching the heater thing. And we've all done that to an extent. And I said, Miley, it doesn't taste good. But if you want to try it, go ahead. She takes that teaspoon. No, I think I dipped it. I think my, I put my finger on it. And I touched her tongue with it. And she made the most horrible face. If that's what alcohol tastes like, how do you drink it? I just like, <sighs> trying to get off her tongue. Here's, here's what was about that I want you to get. It smelled like a really sweet idea. But it was a lot harder to swallow. This morning, encountering Christ smells like a sweet idea, doesn't it? Oh, man, great. Me and Jesus, close. But I'll promise you, it's, it's a lot harder to swallow. Why? Because Christ is going to be an inconvenience to your life. Because in order to encounter him, he's led of the Spirit. You're going to have to walk in the Spirit to walk with him. He's not going to walk with you in your flesh. They're an opposite. Christ is an inconvenience. Why? Because he relies on the word. He's not going to go around the word for you or for me. That's why he's an inconvenience. And then he's an inconvenience this morning because he's unchanging in his truth. Once he tells you something, he's just going to keep telling you until finally you decide to get on board with that. This morning, why are we not having an encounter with Christ? I believe it's simple. I believe it's something we love the smell of but it's really hard to swallow the inconvenience to our life. This morning, you could be here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And oh, you want to be saved and have a home in heaven? That smells like a really sweet idea. But you know that, oh, an encounter with Christ brings change and you're like, I don't know if it's worth that. I promise you it's worth it. Because he doesn't just change you here, he changes you for up there. But you've got to decide, are you willing to make that inconvenience? Christian, you're probably, most of us here today are saved. Can I ask you, what inconvenience is keeping you from an encounter with Christ? Is it walking in the Spirit? Is it relying on His Word? Or is it just you finally getting on board with what He's already said? Can I just beg you this morning, accept the inconvenience of Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I remind you of something today?